We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas, and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and a dark talk of looming conflict. Senator Rand Paul was allegedly assaulted at his own. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. Dear viewers, we have just received word that Libertarian Death Squad are taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. There are fears a rapidly spreading virus has Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so um, spectacularly and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its citizens not to travel abroad as it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Go, Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. So what message do the rest of us take from what's happened over the past three weeks? It's very simple. The message is force is more effective than voting. Elections change nothing. Rioting, by contrast, makes you rich and powerful. When you riot, prosecutors will ignore the law on your behalf. Corporations will send you millions. Politicians will kneel down before you. It works. Violence works. Welcome to Inside Four Walls with your host, James Madison. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the one o'clock upload of Inside Four Walls with your host, James Madison. Today, well, now, we're going to be doing an update. New developments in Elon Musk versus Twitter storyline, and it's getting more and more spicy, honestly. Everything they've thrown at him, he has had a counter for, and that doesn't change. This is something he seems to have been planning for a very long time. Everything Twitter has done to counter him has failed. We'll be going into what is the poison pill and the latest with Elon Musk involving 46.5 billion financing for Twitter's bid. That being said, without any further ado, let's get right into it. Let's go back and touch on what was the poison pill. And both of these articles will be coming from Forbes, because Forbes is really the name in the game when it comes to businesses and finances and seeing how they're doing. Article. Does Twitter's poison pill adoption really matter? By Amiatash 
I'm not gonna get your name right. Pure Nadena Dam. Article will be in the description. Good luck. Senior contributor. And hey, right here. She's a uh, professor of finance at Michigan Ross. Nice. Last week, Twitter's board unanimously adopted a poison pill provision to deter Elon Musk from taking the company private through a hostile takeover. If a potential bidder takes control of 15% or more of the company's shares, all other shareholders will have the right to buy additional shares at effectively half the price. <sighs> Just so you know, if you, that doesn't make any sense to you, it shouldn't. What it says is if somebody eventually does, Elon Musk, by the way, buy 15% of the shares in the company, that means Twitter is going to gouge its own value to hurt that person. To deter any hostile takeover, it will hurt its own market value. That is the equivalent of saying, well, I don't want them to have this toy that I'm playing with, so what I'm going to do instead is break it. So you just start smashing the toy against the wall till it's in a billion pieces, and then you're like, fine, here, it's your turn to play with it. Now no one else will ever be able to play with it ever again. Sounds thought through. <laughs> Other shareholders will have the right to buy additional shares for at effectively half the price. Let, let's just do a brief catch-up. So Elon Musk bought 14% of the company and was like, I'm going to start making some suggestions here. And they're like, sure, sure, sure. You know what? You come on the board. You know, it will take 15% of the shares for us to for you to have some power here. Come join our board. And we'll work together. It'll be great. Also, you can't buy more than 14.9% of the shares uh, ever. And Elon was like, oh, well, fuck you. And he left. Then he was like, I'll buy up all your stock at, uh, you know, an extra 15% or so per share. And he started talking to private shareholders while continuing to buy more stock and shares off the market of Twitter. And it's been working. Oh my god, it's been working. That Saudi Arabian prince we talked about in the last episode about this, he already sold his shares. He's out of that bitch. Which I find very funny. And that's sort of a catch-up to where we are now. As a result, the bidder's voting rights get diluted immediately, making the takeover practically impossible. The adoption of the poison pill makes Elon Musk's bid almost impossible to succeed. Moreover, it also makes any future attempt to acquire the company in a hostile takeover bid unlikely as long as the pill remains in effect. So what impact does it have on shareholders' value creation? While it may be tempting to conclude that such a move is harmful to the existing shareholders of Twitter, it is, it is far from obvious. The argument in favor of shareholders' value destruction is strong, no doubt. The poison pill provision protects the managers from marketing, from market decline since they cannot be fired via hostile takeover even if they make decisions that are not in the best interest of the shareholders. The academic literature is filled with evidence of how entrenched managers destroy firm value. 
Microsoft's bid for Yahoo in 2008 is a well-known example of how these provisions help companies fend off the bidders. While there were several other factors behind the failure of that deal, Yahoo's poison pill provision certainly played a role in making Microsoft bids toothless. The deal never happened, and the rest is history. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm pretty certain with the adoption of a poison pill, and it does affect shareholders' values, they can still sue the company for acting not in the best interest of them. Because one of the things that would happen if Elon Musk became a, a board member is anything he did that affected the stock value could get him sued for hurting the finances of the shareholders and not acting in their best interest. That's a real thing, by the way. It makes sense. Don't get me wrong. But that was their idea. Well, if, if Elon does do it, we can have him sued to shit amounts of money. And that's what they thought was going to happen. Then he said, huh, no, fuck your board. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And we'll get into just the fucking joy coming with that one. <sighs> but the adoption of the poison pill also has a bright side. It gives the incumbent managers a tool to bargain hard with the potential bidders for a higher price. <laughs> it gives the managers time to search for a better deal for the shareholders by preventing acquisitions driven by short-term motives and idiosyncratic considerations. For example, in 2010, Ergus Incorporated successfully thwarted a hostile takeover bid by Air Products, NYSE APD, that's its stock name, using poison pills. Five years later, the management of Airgas sold the company to Air Lakide, ALFR, at double price by offering Air Products. Whether the management uses the poison pill for the benefit of the shareholders or to entrench themselves in all themselves ultimately depends on the board. The responsibility for striking a good deal lies with the board. You'll notice it says that the responsibility. The board is to act in the best interest of the shareholder, hence why they can be sued for not doing their fucking job right. Further, the mere adoption of the pill makes no difference for most practical purposes. Twitter already had a latent poison pill before the board formally adopted it last week. In fact, most publicly traded U.S. companies can adopt this potent anti-takeover provision at short notice simply by a majority vote of their board members. So they all have a, quote, latent poison pill, end quote, and as we saw in Twitter's case, all the company needed to do was get the board's approval. Institutional investors know this, and the acquirer must anticipate it. Therefore, the formal adoption of the pill should only make a minor difference. But again, the real governance issue lies with the board. Are they adopting the pill to entrench the company's managers, or are they doing it to find a better deal for the shareholders? Going by Jack Dorsey's recent and past statements, Twitter's board has some work to do to inspire confidence among its shareholders' base. If Jack Dorsey departs from the company's board, the board collectively has a very small shareholding in the company. And I think I have this weird feeling that Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are somewhat on the same page with each other. I might be wrong. It, might, it sounds crazy, but we'll see if I'm right down the road. And if I am, I'll be a big old fuck you. Right moment. 
If Dorsey departs from the company's board, the board collectively has a very small shareholding in the company. Elon Musk points out that the board's economic interests are not aligned with those of the shareholders, and he has a point there. But only time will tell whether his board act whether Twitter's board acted in the shareholders' best interest or not. I'm going to lean towards not. But one thing is clear. In this whole deal, investors should focus on the company's board and not on whether it adopts some anti-takeover provision like a poison pill. The adoption of the poison pill is just a sideshow. And that is the end of the first article we'll be reading from Forbes. Again, by Amnia Tash Pira Nananadam. And you can link will be in the description. Feel free to go read that at your leisure. We now will move on directly to the next article. Elon Musk, Elon Musk has secured the $46.5 billion in financing for Twitter's bid. Considers tender offer by Abram Brown. A ah, name I can read. Published April 21st, 2022. Elon Musk says he secured the $46.5 billion in financing for his Twitter bid, an important disclosure seemingly meant to ease concerns about his commitment to the idea. By the way, as we go on, we're going to realize none of this is just happening out of quinky dink. This was all designed. Elon had a plan for everything, apparently. Talking to Elon. Talking to you start calling him Elon Jones predicting this shit. His bid for Twitter, an important disclosure seemingly meant to ease concerns about his commitment to the idea. Over $20 billion would come from varying loans from Morgan Stanley, according to a new SEC filing. By the way, that was filed on 420. Just remember that. 420 is when he signed it. Another $21 billion will come from equity financing. Musk has not yet made a former tender offer for Twitter, but it may come soon now that Musk has given more details about how he'd finance a deal. While Musk possesses a fortune worth more than $260 billion, not to mention SpaceX is a trillion dollar company, nearly all of it is tied up in Tesla stock and other, and other illiquid assets. He'll need to borrow money, as well as possibly sell Tesla shares to make the deal work. Musk says he has not heard from the Twitter board since going public with his 40, 54.20, you'll notice there's 420 in that price as well, is $54.20 a share proposal last week. While Musk has hired Morgan Stanley to advise him, Twitter has retained Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan because they are clearly entrenched with Wall Street. The SEC finally notably leaves out anyone but Musk. A slew of Wall Street firms, including Apollo and Thoma Bravo, had reportedly been interested in joining the financing around Twitter's transactions. It seems like they've lost interest and won't be joining Musk in his bid for Twitter. Twitter has worked to guard itself as best as it can from Musk. Last Friday, the board adopted a poison pill, a corporate mechanism that'll let it sell 
deeply discounted stock to shareholders and reduce Musk's stake. But Twitter lacks a stronger defense other than tech companies. Sorry, a stronger defense other tech companies. A column makes all the difference. Other tech companies enjoy against hostile takes over. It doesn't have the same type of dual share classes as Meta, Alphabet, and Snap, which firmly control those companies with their own founders and CEOs. But it's been unclear how serious Musk has been about the Twitter bit. I think he's very fucking serious. The consequences of his famous joke to privatize Tesla in 2018, the initial lack of details about how he'd finance the acquisition added to the confusion. Investors proposing unsolicited takeover usually take great pains from the start over these numbers, knowing investors may be unfamiliar with them and reluctant. That's in brackets. Within Twitter, employees and other companies' insiders over the last week have tried to ignore Musk and hope the whole thing might just go away as quickly as it descended over them. CEO Pagral Agwal urged patience at a brief all-hands-on meeting last Friday. As part of a totally unconventional style of corporate warfare, Musk has twice made cryptic tweets about tender offers in the last few days. One referenced Elvis Presley's hit, Love Me Tender. The other, F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, Tender is the Night. Combined, they received more than half a million likes, a sign of Musk's immense following on Twitter of 82 million, as well as his ability to win over public support for his ideas. And that is the end of this article. Now, we wait patiently to find out what Twitter's response to this will be. I, of course, will be doing an episode when we get that update. That being said, this concludes the 1 o'clock upload for Inside Four Walls. I, personally, am looking forward to Elon Musk owning Twitter. I've been having a blast pissing people off on Twitter over the last week. Well, I just got my account back after a six-day ban, so the last two days have just been my reckoning. But that being said, you can follow me on Twitter at at InsideForWalls, all one word. What's the at symbol? InsideForWalls. Follow my antics over there, spraying all sorts of ANCAP goodness. That being said, I'll talk to you guys later. Deuce. America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer.